Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. Viewer discretion advised. You've probably heard those words before at the beginning of a TV program. Sometimes those words are warning us that the show is going to be inappropriate and should probably give us pause as Christians about continuing. But other times, it may simply be warning that the following program contains something intense or realistic in a way that might upset some viewers. If you were going to make a show about one of our passages today, it would need to start with this label. It's intense. It's graphic. But it is God's holy word. It is here for our instruction. It is here to warn us, to warn us about the dangers of idolatry and the utter ugliness of sin. Let's go to Ezekiel 16. And here we've seen the warnings that God has used Ezekiel to give and and just the intensity in which he speaks of the judgment that is coming on Jerusalem. And it will be fierce judgment. Why? Why will the judgment be so fierce? And we've seen some uh, of the kind of literal things that are going on, some of the abominations that are happening in the temple. We've seen Ezekiel rebuke the people for idols that they have taken into their hearts. But today in Ezekiel 16, God is going to tell a story through Ezekiel. He's going to tell something of a parable. That, that makes the point of just how serious and how ugly their sin and their idolatry is. And this is probably one of the more intense chapters in all of the Bible, as it uses language uh, that, you know, is not really stuff you bring up in everyday conversation. Let's look through some things in this chapter. He, he starts it with this phrase, son of man. Make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord to Jerusalem. And then he goes on to describe the birth of Jerusalem. It describes Jerusalem as this baby uh, that was born you know, of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite, these pagan peoples. And then it says, and as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And so, I mean, if you've had a child or you're a father and you've been there for the birth of a child, you know, you remember how that child looks right when it comes out. And what the nurses do often is, you know, pretty in pretty short order, they take that baby and they clean it up, you know, and they wrap it up and then hand it back to mom and dad. Uh, but with this baby, baby Jerusalem, that did not happen. It was taken as is and thrown into the field. And then it describes God passing by and saying, and when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live I said to you in your blood, live. 
I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. So it speaks of God rescuing this this infant, this child wallowing in its blood and um, rescuing it from that fate. But then it describes uh, really... This baby Jerusalem now growing up into a woman. It talks about to the age for love and and God enters into a covenant now. In verse 8, it says, When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you with the embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and chain on your neck. And it goes on to describe this kind of rich uh, adorning and given all the accoutrements of this ancient fashion. And this resulted in this young woman now being renowned. It says in verse 14, and your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. But now is where it, it takes a turn. In verse 15, but you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines and on them played the whore. The like has never been nor ever shall be. And it talks about taking all these gifts that had been given and really turning it into adultery and even spiritual prostitution. That's the image that he is using to describe their uh, adult, their idolatry in Jerusalem. And even it goes on to say even more intense things in the end of verse 20, where you're whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them. The practice of child sacrifice that was sometimes used with these pagan deities. And in all your abominations and your whorings, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, wallowing in your blood. And then it goes on to describe this idolatry and really, again, continues to describe it as prostitution. And it goes on to to say that this is even worse than that. In verse 32, he says, adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from other women in your whorings. No one solicited you to play the whore and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore, you were different. And so there, you, you, you see why this passage should kind of come with a warning. Uh, viewer discretion advised. I mean, God uses very intense language to paint the picture of how ugly their sin and idolatry is. And, and that's really what I want us to get out of this uh, passage. If God is using language that is so intense, right? Uh, some language that in some cases is so graphic, we should ask ourselves why. You know, sometimes you might see that in a TV show and say, you know, maybe they could have made that in a way. Maybe some of that wasn't necessary. But this is God's holy word. All the language that God uses in Ezekiel 16 is necessary. 
This is the language that God has sovereignly chosen to communicate. And it paints this picture of how ugly, how just abhorrent sin is. And that's what I want us to leave this chapter with, a sense of the ugliness of sin and idolatry. Because every single one of us will be tempted to sin today. Every one of us has to deal with the temptations of idolatry in our own life and in our own time. And we need some of these graphic images to warn us that we might try to justify our sin. We might try to excuse our idolatry when no, what it really is, is what God says it is in this in this story in Ezekiel 16. So I hope that that really helps us think biblically about sin. I hope that causes us not to look back at our sins of our past with any uh, sense of longing or desire, and that God helps us to see the temptations that we will face today for what it is. Sin is ugly. Sin brings death, and we should not want any part of it. And the good news is that we serve a God who is gracious. And even this intense chapter in Ezekiel 16 ends with really words looking to the future, just of God's grace. Starting in verse 69, it says, For thus says the Lord, I will deal with you as you have done, you who despise the oath in breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember my ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both your elder and your younger, and I give them to you as daughters, but not on account of the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded and never open your mouth again because of your shame when I atone for you for all that you have done, declares the Lord. So even there at the end, there is a message of atonement and we can be reminded that we have the offer of atonement through Jesus Christ, that he came to be the sacrifice for our sins, that even though we are guilty of spiritual adultery, God has made a way for us to be totally cleansed, totally purified, and restored to him. So sin is ugly, but the gospel is beautiful. And we're reminded of that through this intense passage in Ezekiel chapter 16. Let's move on now, uh, briefly through our other passages today, uh, to something that is a little more family-friendly. Let's go to Psalm 127. And here's a psalm that actually even speaks of family. And it gives us some words in a culture that sometimes does not, I think, have a view of family or children in particular uh, that God would want us to have. Psalm 127. 127 verse 3 reminds us, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. What? Just think about if that was filled in the blank with anything else. If it was saying, hey, this is a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. You would say, well, then I would like that. But when we put children in there, uh, that, that starts to make us feel different. Now, let's be clear. Parenting is a challenge. Parenting uh, God's way is even more of a challenge as it will require selflessness and diligence from the parents. But the world can often view children as an inconvenience, can view children as something that gets in the way of what we want to do. 
I was surprised. I remember when my wife was pregnant with our first child, how even within the church, I got that impression from so many people, this idea of, well, enjoy your life now while you still have it, because you won't have it anymore when children come. That that seems at odds with what God says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And so consider that, maybe some of you that are in the throes of parenting, and you it can be challenging. Be reminded, though, that these children are a blessing from the Lord. And obviously, we don't want to take, sometimes one of the problems even of idolatry is we take something good and, and put it too too high. And that's where, no, children are not, you know, the goal of uh, of life, uh, right? The godliness is in passages like this. Sometimes some people might be, oh yeah, maybe I should think about having children. And there's some people that read a passage like this and they desperately want children or more children. And let that be a reminder to us though, that children are a blessing. And it says, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So let's just beware of some of the things that our culture says that might even seep into our minds as Christians and hold on to what God says and the perspective he says that we should have about children. Let's move on now to two passages that were written by the Apostle John. The first is John 9, 1 through 12. And here, there's a statement on suffering that is a good reminder for us that not all suffering is the direct result of a specific sin. That here, he makes clear that God had set up this man that was born blind, really, for the glory of God, that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let that give some perspective to your suffering, that that suffering gives an opportunity to glorify God. And if God's glory is really what we want, you know, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, then we need to even suffer for the glory of God and look for the opportunities in suffering to glorify God. And then let's look now at John, 1 John chapter 5 as we finish up the book of 1 John today and consider what it says and even how it might connect to where we started in Ezekiel 16. Let's just think about the last verse of 1 John when it says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And let's be reminded of what idolatry really is and how ugly idolatry and sin really are. And let that warning keep us from sin today and also cause us to glory in the beautiful gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.